Live from the heart of Los Angeles, this is the online edition of the Life Changes Show. Look at the bright lights. Look at the bright lights. With tonight's guest, founder of International Child Art Foundation, Dr. Ashfaq Isha. Look at the night sky. And performance guest, Ellie Irwin. I am Mark Lejeure, and now our host, the MC, the master of change, Filippo Voltaggio. Well, life changes indeed. In fact, I love the fact that we are here ready to share something that most people don't talk about on a daily basis. Ironically, most people do talk about on a daily basis, just not in this way. And so that is art and music and sculpture. It, it is so part of our lives. It is everywhere and in everything that we do, uh, even in the most simplest of forms. I, one cannot imagine life without art or music or sculpture or architecture for that matter. So, so the way we're going to talk about it is imperative. So it's interesting that we're here to talk with somebody that's going to bring awareness to this art form, <laughs> to art in a way that we don't have awareness. And... In talking with our guest prior to the show, a couple times prior, I have become aware of things that I was not aware of. And so for that, I too am very grateful. Now, we won't get into this much depth, but I just wanted to take this uh, opportunity and say uh, this, because this aspect of what our guest shared with us is was fascinating to me as so many of the others, but I went and did my research. So, so Dr. Ashfaq Ishaq said to me that at one point, artists were included as part of the Olympics. And I thought, what? Really? Olympics? Sports? So I went directly to olympics.com, which is the, the site for the International Olympic Committee. And, and he even said to me that it's right in the fundamental charters of the Olympics. And so I went to the, the fundamental charters. I even think he said it's in the first. And in, sure enough, it is. Fundamental principles of Olympism, number one, Olympism, is a philosophy of life exalting and combining in a balanced whole the qualities of body, will, and mind. Blending sport with culture and education, Olympism seeks to create a way of life based on the joy of effort, the educational value of good example, social responsibility, and respect for universal fundamental ethical principles. And it goes on from there. Well, and I didn't stop there. I went to uh, the, well, I, I did a little bit more research, and one of the 
interesting articles I found in the Smithsonian Magazine at smithsonianmag.com. And an article written by Joseph Stromberg in 2012, he writes the title, When the Olympics Gave Out Medals for Art. In the modern Olympics early days, painters, sculptors, writers and musicians battled for gold, silver, and bronze. He says in the article at the 1912 Summer Olympics, which which is kind of cool, in Stockholm, an American, Walter Winnens, took the podium and waved proudly to the crowd. He had won, uh, he had already won two Olympic medals, a gold for sharpshooting at the 1908 London Games, as well as a silver for the same event in 1912. But the gold he won at Stockholm wasn't for shooting or running or anything particularly athletic at all. It was instead awarded for a small piece of bronze he created, uh, he cast early that year, a 20-inch tall horse pulling a small chariot. And for his work, titled An American Trotter, Winnens won the first ever Olympic gold medal for sculpture. And one more quick thing. I, I saw in Wikipedia under an article, Art Competitions at the Summer Olympics, Art competitions formed part of the modern Olympic Games during the early years from 1912 to 1948. In fact, it goes on to say in the history of it, with the founding of the International Olympic Committee, IOC, in 1894, and the celebration of the first modern Olympic Games, uh, a French baron, Pierre de Coubertin, saw the fulfillment of his ideals, men being educated in both mind and body and competing in sports rather than war. And one of his other desires was to combine both art and sport and he and he thus considered uh including artistic competition in the olympic games he not only considered it uh in in a meeting in paris uh in 1906 it was discussed that five areas should be included in the, the olympic games architecture literature music painting and sculpture and sadly uh the issue uh continued uh being debated it was included then not included then wasn't able to happen and then uh this and that and uh, sadly at the 49th uh, ioc session in athens in 1954 the ioc members voted to replace the art contests with an exhibition for future Olympics. And several attempts have been made to re-include them, but so far at least without success. So I can't wait. So so thank you to Dr. Ashfaq Ishak for educating me and therefore educating us uh, through this monologue and looking forward to what more we can learn and how important what we are learning is is about. So we've titled this episode of the Life Changes Show at, at the request of our guest, how we can help children reclaim the future, which is an interesting uh, title and actually very much looking forward to what that exactly means. Our interview guest is an experienced entrepreneur, an educator, a manager, a researcher, a civil sector leader, and founder of International Child Art Foundation, ICAF. He is Dr. Ashfaq Ishak. Welcome, Dr. Ishak, to the Life Changes Show. 
Filippo, uh, thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to uh, be with you. And, you know, greetings from Washington, D.C., where I am based and have actually been, you know, living here for almost the past 40 years. Uh, you are in L.A., and the L.A. will receive, uh, has already won the bid for the 2028 Olympics. So the 2024 is in Paris and 2028 in Los Angeles. Uh, so what, what we have just now you know, proposed both to the U.S., Olympic, which is now called U.S. Olympic and Paralympic you know, Committee and the IOC, is to have a global art competition for young people on my favorite sport. So let them draw what their most favorite Olympic sport is, thereby engaging them into the Paris Olympics and broadening and spreading Olympism all around the world. Because as you know, it's very important for us to reassure young people and children that our chaotic and divided world has hope. So mm. this is what we want to do in you know, Paris as really is a starting point and it has never been done uh, done before and of course anything new that one wants to do there are lots of you know uh, impediments and then to do it on a much larger scale for LA 28 so Jerry, thank you for that introduction th thank you for for that it's fascinating to me and I, we have loved what you were doing and uh we are grateful to contributing producer who uh contributing director allison goldwyn of synchronicity to for bringing us together uh for uh, potentially something greater, but this is a, a great way to to start the conversation here on the Life Changes Show. You started the conversation long time ago. How did you get interested in supporting arts, in supporting children in arts, and why is it important? Yeah, you know, um, Filippo, we, we have to look at the way the world is, you know, today. I mean, you know, the polluted environment, I mean, you know, shaky, you know, democracy, even the free enterprise system that we have has concentrated wealth and power in the hands of a handful. You know, so it's not a good time for the children and, you know, particularly, mm. you know, increasingly so. And and I think that, you know, the, the problem really is caused by the adults and by us separating ourselves from our own inner child. You know, that curious, creative and cooperative self. And it is this partition that allows us to use words like childish or childlike, not as terms of endearment, mm. but as rebukes. So when we accuse each other of being childish or childlike, you can imagine how bewilders, bewildered are the children who hear this. 
and they also then very quickly want to have a have a flight from childhood mature quickly and erect a barrier between themselves and their inner child so you know it's very important for us to reimagine ourselves in order to recalibrate the future and of course children can they are the future and they are the future shapers and they can you know transform our wounded world into a wondrous one all they need is to be empowered and to be inspired so that is what you know is the is the rationale and the the raison d'etre behind the work that the international child art foundation has been doing since 1997 as a you know non-profit organization based in washington but working nationally as uh, uh, you know the national art organization for american children and working globally as the global art organization for the world's uh, you know children so you come See, from education you come from business you come from research and and this particular aspect of life art and children is became of importance to you or you recognize the importance how how did how did that happen and and why is it so important N not just for the children but for all of us yeah you, you, you know i mean as an as an economist uh, i and i'm originally from uh, you know uh, pakistan so i wanted to work on to eradicate poverty mm. and and i thought that you know maybe economics was the way so i joined the world bank and after a few years i left the bank and came back to teach at you know george washington university and the the reason for uh, my you know uh, sort of what irked me was that i felt that creativity was was important mm. that you know creativity could empower poor children and in our country the lower ses kids who attend title 1 schools to blaze new trails that disrupt the vicious cycle of intergenerational poverty you know but the problem not only with the world bank but really with the with the with the economist is that economic theory does not take creativity into account it only takes productivity into account mm. and productivity means that you have to optimize the resources that you have which is land and labor in order to produce something and sell it you know we were in late 90s you know we were already looking into a different world i mean right across from washington dc the america online was there there was some connectivity around and i had a feeling that no it's a, a new age is going to dawn and that age requires you know when it it may connect all of us seamlessly maybe the information becomes free and knowledge becomes free so what would really help out is if we could democratize you know creativity 
try to make as many children and every child on the planet if possible. Make that child creative. Then I, you know, the research that we did, you know, we wanted to find out why is it that innately creative children don't grow up to be creative adults. Mm. And the best scientific explanation is provided by Torrance, E.F. Torrance, who is now, you know, considered as uh, a father of modern, you know, creativity. And Torrance discovered the fourth great slump in the creativity of children. So it is at that age that something happens. Uh, in, in, <laughs> in the fourth grade, you're saying? In the fourth grade. So wow. it could be, you know, it could be in the, you know, if if there's a more, uh, you know, um, favorable environment, you know, it can happen in the fifth grade or the sixth grade. If there is total rote learning, it can even happen earlier in the third grade. So it is around that time that when the child is, you know, becoming aware of the world and the world and has some ideas and, you know, there's the flight of imagination, but the world is telling the child, hey, no, first you have to memorize all of this stuff. Mm. And, you know, and then, you know, the child says, okay, one year and then no, next year also again, more memorization. First, you have to get your you know, high school degree and, you know, and then after high school, no, it's still your imagination, you know, just keep it to yourself. Uh, you know, mm. you have to go to, to the university and these days, as you know, even a bachelor's is not enough. I mean, go to the law school or go get an MBA or something or, or a PhD or a specialization. So if for a moment, if you were, if we were to presume that every child who's born on earth brings some new imagination. So what we end up doing is to squash that imagination mm. that that child has brought with him or her. So, you know, uh, 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 the, a creativity guru, uh, Ken Robinson, uh, you know, I had some in interesting conversations with him. He used to say that our that schools kill our children's you know creativity. So, therefore, you know we had to set up an organization, and you know there was no national art organization for American children. And art and creativity wow. they go together. So that is why the uh, the the uh, the rationale of you know um, uh, setting up the international channel. And you are in Washington, D.C. for a very uh, particular reason, and you have made uh, headway. However, uh, potentially for somebody of your caliber and your organization uh, to have been around so long and for this to be so important, you have not been able to make headway enough as would be due. Yeah, because, you know, you know, uh, once we make this partition not, you know, from the inner child and a child's imagination has no value and in a marketplace, a child's art is not cashable, 
and consequently it is considered worthless. So even you know, contemporary art museums do not display or host children's art exhibitions. Mm. So you know, there is this transformation that is required. And this transformation is not easy. I mean, it is very easy to come up with a product and make a change in the economy. It's extremely difficult to make a change in the you know, society. So consequently, you know, because to do that, we have to reimagine ourselves. And that is why your life-changing show is timely and essential. Because to change the game, we have to first go through personal you know, transformation. Mm. So, And then we can become aware of what is it that we need to do in this shrinking world surrounded by an ever-expanding universe or multiverse. You know, so what is our position? What is at stake? What is it that we have to do? So that awareness, you know, you know, does not come. And consequently, you know, the children are ignored. Okay, I mean, uh, and by, by the way, not only from, by the contemporary art museums. I mean, I was reading that, you know, uh, WhatsApp has, uh, you know, un unbelievable amount of uh, exchange of, you know, uh, in in billions. I mean, the uh, the uh, exchange of, uh, uh, you, you know, images uh, that people share with uh, with with each other. So the question that I ask is, when was the last time that you saw the art? work of a child other than your own mm. and and most people say oh i didn't think that had any importance mm. and and we say yes it is important because it will elevate that child whose imagination you will acknowledge or appreciate but also more importantly for you you know you see how children imagine themselves at that age. So you can, it can kindle your own inner child. Oh. So, you know, and it is that inner child, the, the curious, creative, cooperative self, that is the, is, the, is the transformation that we need to be able to understand what is it that needs to be done and to bring children to the center to the center stage of all our, uh, you know, you know, decision making, and right now they are not. You know, you look at the way that the policies are made, corporate decisions are made. They do not keep in mind the interests of the next generation at all. Wow. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk more about how we can help children reclaim their future. It sounds like. It's also how we can help ourselves help children reclaim their future and uh, whilst doing that, rather. And we'll be talking more with uh, Dr. Ashfaq Ishaq uh, about his organization, uh, ICAF, International Child Art Foundation, and, of course, the important work that they're doing there. I'd also like to start when we come back on, on some of the, the ways that 
potentially not just in schools, but also when we think we're allowing the child to be potentially creative or have fun, whether it's a playground or an amusement park, how potentially we might be still squelching uh, their creativity. Uh, a little later, we're going to have our Ask Dorothy segment. And soon after that, our performance guest on the performance segment of the Life Changes Show is Ellie Irwin. All uh, on the Life Changes Show online edition when we come back after this. Want to connect with amazing people who are committed to making a difference? From the Heart Tribe is a platform, community, and movement with the purpose of bringing like-minded humans together to help animals and the environment in order to gain a stronger connection and understanding of the world around us. They are dedicated to effectuating positive change by empowering individuals to organize meaningful and engaging experiences that build compassion for animals and the natural environment. Their founders' and members' passion is to inspire others to actively get involved in their homes, their communities, and the world to raise awareness about the issues we face and most of all to be part of the solution. Through their efforts they have also accomplished some amazing and tangible achievements. Their pickup for paradise beach cleanups have collected over 50,000 pieces of foreign debris and also thanks to animal rescue and recovery volunteers over 30 percent of the volunteers have become vegan or reduced their meat intake. Daily habits make a big difference. Please join any of their upcoming events by going to fthtorg and signing up for their newsletter. You can also follow on Instagram and Facebook at From the Heart Tribe. Have you felt inspired to meditate but you just can't? Do you suffer from anxiety but fidget toys just make you more fidgety? Want to replace negative self-talk in your head that keeps bringing you down? Introducing the latest self-help solution, Phi Beads. Transformational beaded jewelry inspired by ancient wisdom, science, math, and psychology. All five beads are designed to incorporate the powerful Fibonacci sequence, nature's mathematical formula that has shaped our existence from the beginning of time. The Fibonacci sequence, also known as the golden mean or the golden ratio, is recognized by our conscious and unconscious mind and resonates as order out of chaos like we see in plants, flowers, seashells, ocean waves, the pyramids, and in our own body. Not only beautiful, they feel good to wear. Phi Beads can help anchor tranquility, positivity, focus, and structure in your life by doing the Phi Meditation. Phi Meditation helps you harness the power of I Am for intention, affirmation, and manifestation. Affirm the life you want. Get your set of Phi Beads at phibeads.com. That's Phi, P-H-I, beads.com. You are listening to a conversation that matters on The Life Changes Show. Broadcasting live from the heart of Los Angeles every Monday night at 7 p.m. Pacific Time. Share the journey with us at LifeChangesShow.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at LifeChangesShow. We're back. I'm Filippo, and we are speaking with the founder of International Children Art Foundation, the ICAF, Dr. Ashfaq Ishak. We've been having such uh, an important and very interesting conversation. Actually, it, through the year or so that we've known each other, again, thanks to Allison, uh, and and it feels like this is also still the beginning of, of some greater things. And and one can only hope because this uh, it this needs our attention. So, how how is it that inadvertently, as you've shared uh, with me? in the past, we may be squelching our child's uh, 
creativity with games or parks, etc. You know, Filippo, um, we have to really, once we reimagine ourselves and get connected with our own inner child, it becomes very easy then to appreciate a child's imagination and to become more open to other children as well. I mean, you know, so uh, uh, that is what the the issue is. And, you know, this personal transformation is needed in the adults. And then, you know, through organizations like ours, we try to bring about it a personal transformation in the children also. I mean, the uh, our school art program is called the Arts Olympiad, and it's a free program. This year we are having it, our seventh Arts Olympiad. Anyone can go to the icaf.org website and download the lesson plan and implement that program in the school. Or if you are, if you have a homeschool child, you can do it at home, or you know, uh, in a art workshop or or any other you know, facility that is there, the that program, it convinces children that instead of thinking of yourself as jock or nerd or artsy, think of yourself as, as an artist athlete with a creative mind and healthy body. So you can avoid these creativity slumps or obesity risks. So that is, you know, one way that we uh, that we do it, and you know, in in addition to to creativity, empathy plays an, a very important role. I mean, some psychologists consider empathy to be the mother of all emotions, and unfortunately, we never give children any empathy training. That is totally missing from the school. You know, curricula, and particularly, you know, uh, one trend that we have in recent years is the growth of religious schools all over. And you know, and the religious schools they develop what I would call and what some neuroscientists refer to as parochial empathy, and the problem. Unfortunately, with human beings, is that the, the deeper our parochial empathy for our in-group, the stronger can be our hatred and animosity for the outgroup. So it's a you know difficult time. You know, if we see so many divisions and and the you know technology and the internet that we had so much of hope for and still do i mean it is it has you know some people would claim it has even worsened the uh, social and political divisions not only in the us but worldwide wow uh, very very interesting. Also, again, very important. And as we're bringing our, our conversation to a, an unfortunate close here, uh, for the time being at least, on the show, we uh, 
we squelch our own creativity, we squelch that of our, our children or of each other in, in many ways that, that we don't even know. I, I have to say that one of the most fun things that I used to do as a child with my friends or my brothers and sister uh, was to invent games around the games that we were given to play, ignoring the rules uh, or ignoring how it was intended and sometimes and just enjoying our own creativity around it. And that was whether on a board game or uh, on the, on the, uh, in a park, right? And it feels like that's happening less and less. Yeah, because, you know, we want children to to paint inside the line, not outside. You know, and I don't think lines matter. You know, so, uh, and, and this is something, you know, Filippo, that we do uh, at the World Children's Festival that we produce on the National Mall in Washington, D.C., across the U.S. Capitol every four years. And there we get all the Arts Olympiad winners and then the performing artists and all the you know children from across the U.S., but also about 70 countries that participate, mm. you know, bring them all, you know, you know, uh, you know, together to, to celebrate our creativity, diversity and unity and develop that mutual empathy that we need and there the the our educational objective is to give children a transformative experience that inspires them to become creative empaths so they have creativity and empathy and mutual empathy these are the building blocks for a more uh, peaceful prosperous and sustainable future mm. Mm. So those of us who are listening and are interested, of course, we could uh, partner with uh, the ICAF or, or help fund the ICAF or support in some way the ICAF, bring awareness to the ICAF. So ICAF.org and of course ICAF stands for uh, the International Child Art Foundation. Also, as you heard Dr. Ishak uh, just mentioned, worldchildrensfestival.org, where you can learn more about that, support that, go and uh, be a part of it or, or experience it yourself. We have a couple other links and a little bit more information for Dr. Ashfaq Ishak on the Life Changes Show website page for him find all that information there, but mainly ICAF.org and worldchildrensfestival.org. All very exciting, and I look forward to being able to share more and learn more about what may, will happen on uh, uh, in Paris for the 2024 Olympics, and then in a greater way in Los Angeles for the 2028 Olympics. Thank you so much for what you are doing, uh, Dr. Isha and and for how you are doing it for the sake of the children and all of us. Uh, Filippo, thank you so much. It has been such a pleasure. Uh, all the best to you, and, and let's please keep in touch on this. And with that, we have our Ask Dorothy segment. Dear Dorothy, 
This is Samantha, and I am grateful to have you in my life. During your workshop, you shared that your life has not always been a bed of roses, and yet you have somehow overcome all of the pain and suffering of your childhood experiences. I'm amazed that so much of what your story has been is almost identical to what I have experienced. And now, thanks to your sharing your story, I'm doing my best to make peace with my past. I've tried to forgive my parents and siblings for their mistreatment of me, and yet I still feel like a victim, and this doesn't feel good at all. How do I forgive them and move on to a healthier and happier life for myself? Dear Samantha, thank you for this important question. Forgiveness is vital for our personal happiness. After years of suffering, I learned that instead of forgiving my parents and siblings for their mistreatment of me, I needed to forgive myself for allowing their behavior to affect me after so many years had passed. I'm so grateful to Louise Hay and her book, You Can Heal Your Life, and I highly recommend that you read it and then read it again. I believe this book is so helpful as it truly assisted me in overcoming my past. The book helped me understand that we are not victims, but instead we are active participants in co-creating our lives. Louise provides many wonderful exercises that help us process our emotions and come to a better understanding of why unpleasant things are an important part of our lives. So please read the book and do the work and then let me know what shifts for you. I look forward to hearing how you benefit from doing the work. Thank you, Dorothy. And if you have a question for Dorothy, at, write her at askdorothy at lifechangesshow.com. And we will be right back here on the Life Changes Show with our performance guest, Ellie Irwin, right after this. The Little Dog That Could is the fantastically true story of a man and a little dog that came into his life as his mentor to help him understand the world beyond his human senses and to experience life, love, and healing beyond his human understanding. Best-selling author Filippo Voltaggio, who currently hosts the highly regarded Life Changes show, is an internationally known singer, speaker, and life coach. Filippo offers up his own story, how one little surprise package in fur and four legs transformed his life unexpectedly forever and furthered his path of self-discovery. In The Little Dog That Could, Filippo brings to life the meaning of the adage, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Through the reading of this book, you will experience the journey of real miracles that transcend time, space, and logic while gaining practical tools that will help you navigate your way. The Little Dog That Could is available through Amazon and Barnes & Noble. For more information, visit thelittledogthatcould.com. That's thelittledogthatcould.com. There are self-help seminars costing thousands of dollars guaranteeing miraculous transformations. There are compelling speakers and life-changing weekend experiences where you can walk on fire. They all deliver revelations that guarantee you'll come back for the more expensive revelations filled with even greater wonder next month on Fiji. We get addicted to positive, heartfelt, expensive theater. What we really need is a jumpstart, an awakening, someone who can give us a reminder that everything we need lies within. Through inspiration and practical knowledge, Dorothy Donahue helps people get grounded and motivated, inspired and energized. It's not just words and affirmations and the power of intention. 
It's a mindset brought about by a tangible, transcendental experience, an audiovisual, physical, spiritual experience that helps us realize we transform ourselves. We get tools to become the conscious co-creators of lives of unlimited potential. Find out more. Go to DorothyDonahue.com. You are listening to A Conversation That Matters on The Life Changes Show. Broadcasting live from the heart of Los Angeles every Monday night at 7 p.m. Pacific Time. Share the journey with us at lifechangesshow.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Life Changes Show. We're back, and our performance guest is a neo-folk country singer-songwriter and a delightful young lady. Welcome, Ellie Irwin, to The Life Changes Show. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for uh, being you. You, you. You're right now on the East Coast, right? Yes, I'm in Boston. Oh, oh okay. So, uh, thankfully, Mark got to meet you to meet you here on on the West Coast. Got to hear you sing, and said that the audience was riveted. And then I went to listen to your music, and I get it. Thank you so much. <laughs> and and you know I have to ask you what what I get when I'm listening to you as uh, is that there's something very real, very raw, very this is me and and um and you're sharing. Yeah, a, that's definitely that's the goal for me. So that that means a lot. And 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 so you where does that where does that come from I, I, I because i know me as a performer and a lot of performers it's like look at me uh i want you to see me that's how i started like i wanted to be seen and all of that you're just you're there if someone sees and hears you that's good for them <laughs> <laughs> thank you i yeah. mean that's what i'm getting where'd that yeah. come from for you i feel like songwriting and performing and everything that comes with it for me has always been like sort of an outlet. And when I write it never until recently, when I started to try, like when I started studying songwriting, um, it became more of like a craft thing, but starting out and my favorite songs that I've ever written have always started with a feeling or an idea that I was sort of trying to process. So the songs are sort of products of, those feelings like very directly so they're they're very I feel like that is why they feel so raw and that's um I don't know that's sort of my goal is to just feel the songs are almost like manifestations of the feeling that I was trying to process or go through or whatever you know I I wanted to ask a couple more questions before we did this but what you just said is a perfect segue to the first <laughs> song we're going to hear right yeah so the title of this song is pill that won't go down yes okay tell us oh, it's really self-explanatory but actually 
tell us a little bit about it and then what we're actually going to hear and this is this is really special so these are these are not produced yet so these are your demo songs to yourself demo recordings to yourself that you're sharing with us here on the life changes show so never been aired and uh never been broadcast so very special and and then you listen to these and and then do what with them so these are sort of um they're self-recorded uh the second song is not self-recorded but they're just acoustic guitar and vocal and it's sort of just it's almost like the skeleton of the song, mm -hmm. I guess. Mm -hmm. um, Pill That Won't Go Down in particular will be closer to the actual produced version because it is so raw. Um, I sort of wanted to mimic that in the production. Um, but yeah, so the demos are just for me and producers and musicians that I'm working with live to just sort of get the general vibe and bones, I guess, of the song. Or on um, a special occasion for the Life Changes show. And yeah. our audience. So thank you. So what happened? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> um, Pill That Won't Go Down started as a note in my phone. Um, it was not supposed to be a song. I was just sitting in my bedroom one night and <laughs> was not feeling super great and started. I actually pulled it up the other day. The title of it is Things That I'm Trying to Grasp Slash Pills That Won't Go Down. And I was just started listing things that I could not wrap my head around and could not process. And mm. then I sort of, again, I, I turned to my guitar. It's my best friend. Um, so that's how Pill That Won't Go Down sort of came about. And I feel like I, I sort of was saying things that a lot of people, I've realized that a lot of people feel because of the reactions I've gotten from the song. Um, but saying things that aren't always said out loud and that's sort of how that happened. Well, here, we're going to get to hear the demo version of Pill That Won't Go Down, pre-recorded by our performance guest, Ellie Irwin, here on the Life Changes Show Online Edition.
But I'm feeling sick to think I'm not the body you'll know And I can't control you Can you feel it? Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Ellie Irwin, thank you so much. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Don't be sorry. Oh boy. Uh, you know, sometimes w w I think we're all, well, those, those who have felt it know exactly the feeling, both what you're talking about and a pill that won't go down. Uh, ellieirwinmusic.com is where you could learn more about her actually she's all over the internet and so her socials are at her site Ellie Irwin Music I'm going to spell that for you E-L-L-I-E-I-W no 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 don't listen to that E-L-L-I-E-I-R-W-I-N so uh, ellieirwinmusic.com Ellie I, so I was speaking of trying to wrap our arms around or our brain around I was trying to wrap my brain around neo-folk country singer-songwriter, and I was, I was listening to lots of your music and enjoying it. I'm like, okay, I hear a little of the country. I hear the folk and uh, the neo. I, yeah, it's definitely new, but there's, there's so much more to it, and it feels like a whole new genre. And then you shared with me what you're studying at Berkeley School of Music, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. So something's having an effect on something. Yeah, I feel like I definitely wouldn't consider it straight country, but it also has something I think that is not necessarily super, um, I guess, isolated to singer-songwriter either. So I'm sort of still trying to figure out what yeah. genre I would categorize myself. Um, but yeah, Berkeley's definitely impacted my writing 100%. And, and so 
you started out studying something. So for those who don't know, Berkeley is a school of music and a very prestigious, as a matter of fact. And so you're, you're studying something that maybe people aren't hearing necessarily in the music, but it's, it's coming in, isn't it? In a weird, in an interesting, wonderful way. Yeah, I definitely think the harmony that you learn um, and the chord progressions and everything, it's something that I've learned that is used in almost every single song that anyone hears, but you don't really know why everything's working together so well. And I've learned that that's, that can be credited to the harmony. And that's what um, I sort of think has impacted my writing the most at Berkeley. Um, just like the general music theory knowledge um, definitely finds its way in my writing. Even if it's not super complicated, it just, it it's, it works. <laughs> yeah, like like a spice for sure. Um, so for those of you who don't know that Berkeley is also known as a, as a jazz school for sure. Uh, you grew up in Pennsylvania. That's in your music too, right? Yes, for sure. And I don't think I would have saw that. I don't think I would have seen that coming um, when I was like 16. I was like, I can't wait to get out of here and move to a big city and... Mm everything but now i go home and i'm just like this is so nice um, yeah you have some exciting things coming up obviously because it, th this is music that i can see people needing to or wanting to uh take in and so you've got an album coming up yes i do i don't have any dates set yet but all of these songs are in production hopefully I'm planning to start releasing things um, early in 2024. Um, so that year is going to be super exciting. Super exciting. So this next song, what is that about? Um, this next song is called Julianne. I wrote this um, for one of my best friends at the time who was there for me every single time I was down and crying about a boy. And... So it's sort of like a celebration of female friendship, or even not female friendship, but the very close-knit, almost like sister bond, I guess. Yeah. So whenever a pill wouldn't go down, she yes. was there? It was, <laughs> I actually wrote these two songs within like the same two weeks of each other. Oh, funny. Um, which is crazy that they, because I feel like they complement each other and I a way that you wouldn't necessarily pair them together, but it, it makes sense. So every time I ended up in that pill that won't go down um, <laughs> headspace, Julianne was there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. thank you, Julianne. And thank you, uh, Ellie, for sharing, again, this demo version of her pre-recorded song, Julianne, here on the Life Changes Show. Hi, Julian, I'm down again. He left me crying, just like you said. Sweet Julian, I'm in need of a landing. Give me a shoulder. Julia, go right ahead. 
Music.com is a website where you could find more about our guest and also uh, all her social links are there. Uh, Ellie at E L L I E I R W I N, Ellie Irwin Music. Ellie, that's a sweet song to friendship. How uh, thank you. And, and you must let us know when the album comes out and. Uh, so we could share in the excitement and share with our audience and all the best to you. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so nice. This is so great and uh, good to connect with you and enjoying your music. And we look forward to enjoying much, much more of it. All the best to you. Thank you so much. And with a big thank you to Ellie Irwin, our performance guest, and another big thank you to Dr. Ashfaq Ishak, our interview guest. That is our show. On behalf of our executive producer, Dorothy Lee Donahue, and our executive producer and co-host, Mark Leisure, I am your host, Filippo Voltaggio, reminding you that as your life changes, like ours surely did tonight, we're here for you. Ciao, everyone. You have been listening to The Life Changes Show on the BBS Radio Network. Listen live every Monday night at 7 p.m. Pacific Time and 
Visit us online at lifechangesnetwork.com, on Facebook at The Life Changes Show, and on Twitter at Life Changes Show. Join us again next week as we consciously explore and embrace the only constant, Life Changes. The Life Changes Network is an entertainment network. The views and opinions expressed are those of the guests and participants and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of Life Changes. <laughs>